time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh. We've got Blake waiting for us in the Escape Pod today to chat all about Ahsoka Tano, one of the biggest characters in Star Wars to this date, and introduced in 2008 Star Wars The Clone Wars theatrical release. We're going to be going through the story arc of this character beginning to end, or at least until the present moment, which we still don't have a resolution for, from The Clone Wars all the way to The Mandalorian. We're not going to be missing a beat, so uh, stay tuned to get diving right into the discussion of this character and the lore and uh, everything about her. Let's get inside Ahsoka Tano. Another happy landing. Cruiser must be back. Which means we'll be able to get our reinforcements. Well, then it looks like our problems are solved. Fresh troops, new supplies, and perhaps they brought my new Padawan with them. You really think it's a good idea to bring a Padawan learner into all this? I spoke to Master Yoda about it. You should put in a request for one. You'd make a good teacher. <laughs> no thanks. Anakin, teaching is a privilege. And it's part of a Jedi's responsibility to help train the next generation. Padawan would just slow me down. A youngling? And who are you supposed to be? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. I was told to tell both of you that you must get back to the Jedi Temple immediately. There's an emergency. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in a bit of an emergency right here. Yes, our communications have been a bit unreliable, but we've been calling for help. Master Yoda hadn't heard from you, so he sent me to deliver the message. <sighs> oh, great. They don't even know we're in trouble. Maybe you can relay a signal through the cruiser that just dropped me off. Hey there, Sky Guy. Who are you talking to, Snips? Kind <laughs> <laughs> of set the mood. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh, you can have so many flashbacks through this. It'd be crazy. Oh, man. We're starting from the beginning. Um, so Ahsoka's a character with a lot of a lot of history, a lot of detail now at this point. But I remember. Do you remember when the Clone Wars movie first came out? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a big fan of it. Uh, a lot of people aren't. It was it was a rough patch for what Clone Wars actually is and what it became and how it evolved and uh, and aged as a show. But uh, which you know is now one of my favorite parts of Star Wars as a whole. You know when I, when I think of some of my favorite Star Wars stories, actually many of them are actually Clone Wars arcs. Uh, but yeah, uh, I agreed with that. There's a lot of a lot of very good story arcs in Clone Wars. Yes. And I really have you to thank for getting me to actually try to watch the show because I watched it years later after it came out. When the movie first came out, yeah. I didn't watch it in theaters, but I bought it on DVD thinking I was 
which is really excited. New Star Wars content, gotta check it out. And I recall hanging out, you know, building some Star Wars Legos, watching the movie, and I just couldn't believe how terrible it was. <laughs> and then the animated series came out shortly after. And I think I didn't watch it till I think third or fourth season was airing. And I watched yep. the pilot to try it out. I didn't like that either, and I never watched it again until right, years right. later when uh, we were hanging out, and you just convinced me to do it. Yeah. Well, the way I convinced Diego to do it, too, because Diego was the same way. I think it was my 13th birthday party that we we went and saw The Clone Wars in the theater, and we were biking back to kind of my neighborhood, and you know, it was myself ET and a bunch style. of people. And yeah, 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 totally. And, uh, and Diego was like... Dude, that was the worst Star Wars thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I was so offended. I was so offended because I didn't want to believe it. And and, and he no. was right. I was. I, mean, I hadn't seen. <laughs> I hadn't seen the holiday special at that point, and I hadn't seen Ewok yeah. Adventures. But uh, it was to me oh, if man. i were to rate all the six films and the clone wars it was probably my least favorite thing oh, that yeah. i'd seen right and uh, and alone. it made me sad because i was very excited for this movie and and i i actually didn't even realize that it was going to kick off this show and it was uh it was another friend of mine it was who was uh he's he's not even it's luke he's not even like a giant star wars fan but uh he's he mostly was into it because you guys are i think right yeah he's yeah he is uh and uh and he was the one who actually said oh there's actually going to be a, a a cartoon show <laughs> and i was like what and i was like yeah 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 it's it's just gonna follow the uh the events of the movie and i was like how did I not know this? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I was out of the loop. I wasn't on the internet nearly as much. I didn't have a phone. Yeah. It, like, I mean, smartphones weren't really a what, thing. 13. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I think the first generation iPhone was just coming out, right? Like, people people didn't have Safari in their pocket every day. Yeah. Like you were the cool now. kid if you had an, an iPod with Wi Fi on it. Oh, man. You were the cool kid if you had a Zoom. First touch screen. <laughs> You're the cool kid if you had a Zoom. You had a Zoom, man. didn't you, Josh? <laughs> No, I, I had an, I had an insignia. He's <laughs> like, dude, this is gonna be this is the thing. People are gonna right. move away from Apple and they're gonna go to Microsoft. This is it. <laughs> what a crystal ball he had. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I'm a big he, Microsoft guy, yeah. but I mean, I, I never got an iPod that. after that either. <laughs> Stuck to it. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big Microsoft guy, but I can't deny the success of the of the of the iPod and the iPhone. Yeah, HD DVD <laughs> too. That's where it's gonna go. Oh no, man, no HD DVDs. Oh, bring back those red cases. That's right. <laughs> so the show, the show, you know, came out. It, it was a rough start. Season one was season one and two. Honestly, uh, really doesn't do a great job at convincing anyone to watch the show. And and I, I'm always trying to convince people watch it chronologically because now that we have a full show and there's episodes that go before season one and two and all that stuff, it's mixed up a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's a little more context as well to some of those like random episodes that just happen and you're like, you know, what comes. Yeah, yeah. it made so. it, it made it really confusing at the start because it felt very monster of the week where there wasn't yeah. a lot of consistency. These yeah. are like random stories essentially. 
And then later on, we found out it's because they didn't air them properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can look it up on uh, on StarWars.com or even just Google it. Uh, Clone Wars Chronological Order. There's a whole list of, of how do you can watch it. And I kind of wish that they'd organized it that way on Disney Plus, but uh, they haven't. So, oh, well. Um, I recall at one point you had created your own chronological list. I, I did. I, I added in. So I took yeah. that as reference and then I added in the uh, the legacy material, which they hadn't had on the website, uh, which is uh, the Son of Dathomir comic book, Dark Disciple, the novel. And then uh, I kept on adding to it and all the other books and comics ended up on that list as well. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, when when Diego finally when I finally convinced him, I mean, this is flash forward, you know, to last two years ago now. Um, and, and I said, you remember that time where we were biking back from Clone Wars and you said that Clone Wars was the worst movie you'd ever seen. Uh, we're going to watch it. <laughs> and he was like, no, dude, I don't want to watch that. Like, and I'm like, listen, 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 all right. This is the last thing that George ever did. And I was like, this is the last thing that he did before he sold the company. I said, you owe it to George Lucas to watch this show. And he, and, and he was, he had just come off of like a 30 minute tangent with me about how much he didn't like you know the some of the sequels and and i'm putting that yeah. lightly i mean he, he probably he, hadn't he, seen much of it in forever either yeah and they, they infuriate him he gets very angry when i start talking about those movies but <laughs> um but he uh so he's very sensitive about it and he, and he loves the for the original six movies and i was like okay uh then you're gonna love the clone wars and i said like it's it's a rough start and I know you didn't like it originally, but it evolves into this amazing story. And Ahsoka, this character that you hate so much, is going to change your the way that you even think about half the characters in Star Wars. It's gonna she's gonna be the she's gonna become one one of your favorite characters. I said. Oh man! And and sure enough, by the end of the show, he he was he was really enjoying it. And and him and I did that forty part Clone Wars series uh, on the on the show here. So anyone listening who wants to go through the Clone Wars, uh, go back to the beginning and and look for Clone Wars Talk Part One. And uh, we do it after show style, walk you through the whole Clone Wars show chronologically beginning to end. So, And fair um, warning, if you have to do what I did to get into the series, just skip to season three and then come back after. Because <laughs> if you can't do the first two or three episodes and it's just that like hard to get through, just skip ahead and you can come back. It is unfortunate if you do, though, because like you miss a lot of stuff, yeah, but like a lot of that. setup material. It's better that than giving up on the whole series. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, don't don't let the first uh, two seasons like let you, you know, deconvince you from watching it. Uh, but uh, let's Most start. Ironic. Let's start at the beginning here. Yeah. Um, so, Ahsoka Torgruta, girl, uh, she's found by Plo Koon at a very very young age, brought to the Jedi Temple, and uh, this I'm assuming is around the same rough 10 year time gap between episode one and two uh when anakin is likely a padawan uh under obi-wan's teachings and and by the time of episode two where he graduates at the, at the end of that movie into a, a night which is what we start off with the clone wars with uh that's when ahsoka makes the rank of of padawan and it's time for her to have a master now and uh, she's not that much younger than yeah. anakin Something... i think she's maybe eight years younger yeah. maybe 10 Something like that, would you say? Yeah, Anakin's not super old either. You know, Anakin to be, is uh, twenty. What, like, like that. Well, in in at the very yeah, beginning of the Clone young. Wars, he's twenty, and then at the end, he's, he's about twenty. Quite young, yeah. I would think right around there. Very young, though, honestly. Like to take yeah. on a Padawan. 
Yeah, and he doesn't want he doesn't like the idea of taking on a Padawan. But uh, so no. so but Kenobi and Skywalker are, are on a uh, Christophsis mission uh, to help uh, Bail Organa, and that's one thing I actually really liked about how they start off the Clone Wars as much as. As much as there's things about the early parts of that show that deconvince, you know, general audiences that it's not as good as it's advertised, which, which, you know, uh, I like how they started it off with with Bail Organa calling General Kenobi for for help, and it really, it really brings a lot of meaning <laughs> to that to that that original A New Hope vibe that you get from comes full circle. It comes yeah. full circle. Kind yeah, of rhymes. Like, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, when Leia says, uh, "General Kenobi," or, or uh, uh, years ago, you fought, uh, you fought Kenobi in the Clone Kenobi. Wars and ser- yeah. served my father in the Clone Wars, right? And it's like you watch the whole Clone Wars. Like, where's the context in that? If you're skipping to season three, especially, you, you miss that whole. That's thing. a good point. Actually, and so so there's yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things Bale like that. Doesn't really show up to the end. Well, he's he's like in there, but he's not ever directly. With Kenobi, right? And it's in this movie that you actually see that Kenobi was actually on. Kristoff saved his life pretty much. And and a lot of those clones, like when they started fighting in that battle. So uh, so the context is very early on in the show. But I like how they started off the show that way with the the movie um, that uh, you get this context. And then here comes Ahsoka. And uh, you know becomes uh, Anakin's undesirable Padawan, who he doesn't want, but Yoda (laughs) and Kenobi kind of force him into it. And uh, she joins him. Uh, as we're kind of introduced to Ahsoka here, we're very much, as the audience, in the exact same perspective as Anakin. Who is this kid? Why is right. she here? Why is this, right. why yeah. does she exist? She sh- Anakin doesn't right. need a the, Padawan. He's Anakin. No, yeah. The first thing I thought when I was in the theater, I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> like, Anakin <laughs> doesn't this? have a Padawan. Like, yeah, I know. Because like, you just think the movie is like, where is she? Right, Which right. makes sense. And then, of course, everyone was expecting her to die. Because her right. else, because she doesn't exist in Revenge of the Sith, so yeah, what are exactly. they going to do? Exactly. And by the end of the Clone Wars, people don't want her to die. Yeah, it's pretty funny because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people were gunning for that for at least three or four seasons. Oh, by by the third season, I changed my mind about the character. But yeah. but for a while, I was in this state of mind. It's like I don't want this character around. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she joins Anakin on the mission to Teth to try and rescue Jabba's son. So that's the plot of the Clone Wars movie. And uh, chronologically, that's her first appearance ever in the yeah, canon. Yeah, it's also the first appearance of Jabba the Hutt's son. Yes, Rada. <laughs> Which Rada the Hutlet. I don't. I think we maybe see once more, and then vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, flash forward, uh, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. Ahsoka takes part in uh, uh, the battle for. Uh, against the malevolence which is grievous's new warship which contains this super weapon uh kind of like an emp effect uh very reminiscent of an experimental laser uh that maybe the death star might have but not a planet killing weapon yet it's it's a like ship it's disabling a, it's a ship disabling weapon yeah so that was kind of her first big trilogy in the in the show after the animated film and uh, you really get to see a lot more dynamic between her and Anakin at this point. Uh, I don't know if you remember that arc, but um, it wasn't that. Uh, bits and pieces. I, I recall the ship and yeah. General Grievous. <laughs> I can't remember specifics of the arc. More or less just that they had a ship that shot out the I, giant donut thing. Actually, I remember one episode, bolts. which was which uh, there was one episode in that arc, which was actually not bad. I think it was the third one when they're, they're on the malevolence itself. And there's this... Uh, there's this running around very reminiscent of Luke and you know the Death Star trying to keep away from 
stormtroopers and all that stuff and and uh, it's padme and uh tripio going around the malevolence trying to keep out of sight and and anakin and uh and um r2 are you know they're all trying to blow up the ship and and padme's on board now and she gets sucked in as a as a uh uh palpatine sensor you know as a as a as a way to keep the malevolence alive kind of thing you know un, unbeknownst to her kind of thing but mm-hmm. uh, they attempt a rescue mission and it was very very uh death star to me reminiscent of that whole yeah scenario. it's a lot smaller scale yeah one thing yeah. that always bothered me about that arc though was after they blow it up they they make thousands of regular cruisers for the clone wars so i don't just make more of them what stopped them <laughs> um yeah i I mean i wonder if they just decided it wasn't as effective as by effective way of using their money and i think at that point a lot of the money was being dedicated towards the death star project oh right so yeah project stardust uh so we had uh ahsoka help in the recovery of r2d2 who goes missing in battle at one point and uh, there's a whole kind of finale battle that happens on a listening post. But it's in this episode arc that she actually fights Grievous for the first time. In the Clone Wars movie, she fights Ventress very briefly. But uh, now she's fight- fighting Grievous, which uh, which is a big step. I mean, she actually survives the battle, but doesn't yeah, that's exactly surprising come out on, unto itself. Doesn't come out on top, but she's Especially- kind of like a, a hit and run away kind of fighting style. So she barely makes it but i mean yeah and this is early grievous too where he was yeah. known as the jedi the jedi slayer right yeah so. yeah yeah totally um so that was a big moment for her i think and it's worth mentioning that uh we had t- her taking part in fighting ventress again while keeping uh, viceroy gunray on board a ship who they capt uh they they capture at some point during the show and uh, Ventress and uh, there's a spy on board the ship. They they try to liberate Viceroy Gunray and and uh, perform a separatist uh, escape, you know, mission with with him because he's a valuable asset to the separatist alliance. He has captured and, uh, a lot. That guy. He does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then Ahsoka uh, has a bit a, a pretty decent duel with with Ventress, but but uh, kind of. You know, she actually saves Master uh, Master Luminara on Dooley's life, actually. And uh, that was, I think, a big moment for her where Master Luminara on Dooley actually underestimates Ahsoka's abilities. And Ahsoka kind of proves herself as a capable fighter and earns the respect of, of that particular Jedi Master. Uh, a couple uh, arcs later, she helps defend these Lerman people, uh, which are a mm. pacifist uh, species that live peacefully on a planet, neutral in the war. And Separatists just come out of nowhere testing their new uh, their new organic nuke bomb. Do you remember that one? I remember the episode, yeah. saw some images of it earlier, and I, I do remember this one, yep. Yeah, so she helps in, uh, in bringing... In bringing the the separatists down on that on that planet when they when they attack these these people yeah. and I believe um, this one had there was the the commander it was more or less the first time we came across a commander of the separatists who wasn't a droid. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. He was yeah. that really odd, incompetent alien guy. He was he was the same species as Vice Rigon. He was a Nemordian. Was he Nemordian? Uh, he was a he was a big guy. He was a big Maybe guy. That's why yeah. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> his, his face was quite unlike. 
Yeah, because most of the Nemoidans that we've seen are very bony structured. Yeah, and they're kind of almost like a traditional alien. As yeah, you know. and this guy was a little like round. Uh, a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Blumptuous. Yeah, I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Something like that. Uh, so so one, one big thing in this arc that stuck out to me when I was watching it was that she has to... She has to put up with the stress of, uh, of Anakin's injuries, which um, uh, Ayla secures on this mission. And and uh, she leaves, they leave, they have to leave uh, Anakin with Rex in the in the woods as they go off looking for help because they're stranded on this planet. They don't know where any civilization might even exist at this point. And uh, she really struggles with the fact that her master is, is not doing well, right? And uh, I think in, in her young state at this point she doesn't really know how to operate unless he's around and, yeah uh, which is which makes sense considering she's a padawan right yeah i mean padawans yeah. early on in the career padawan career jedi career they in in battle in the field would rely very heavily on their master guiding them so if they're split up right. they're going to be second guessing themselves every step of the way yeah, and and uh, and that's one thing that's worth mentioning about Ahsoka's character. I mean, being such a unique kind of character, the Clone Wars is this war where I mean, she's essentially a child, and and she's out there on the front lines. Like, it's a it's a bad scenario for anyone to be raised in, and uh, and so she's this young, confused. You know, the Jedi are supposed to be peacekeepers, but they're not. And uh, and and now her master's down. She doesn't know what to do. Like it, it was a big moment for her because later on in the series, I'm going to bring up that uh, that the moment I'm talking about. But she has to survive on her own without Anakin at all. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think this arc particularly plays into that a lot um, of having to kind of be a little more independent, self sufficient. Yeah. yeah. So she's uh, this is this is good foreshadowing to what's to come. Then right, right, yeah. Uh, she's, uh, infected by a, the blue f- shadow virus in an attempt to take out the laboratories on Naboo, which yeah. they find out is being developed there. She helps on that mission. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Uh, uh, it was funny. I had forgotten it until I did a little bit of research here to kind of go over the early years. And I, I actually really liked this arc and the st- basic story at least the villain and the whole virus thing was actually was actually (laughs) stolen from the first clone commando book oh was it yeah the first clone commando book they're they they're trying to take down a secret base that they're creating a virus that would affect all the clones so it's kind of similar but that's right the uh, republic commando hard contact right yeah it would be the the a virus that infects only clones right yeah 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 that's actually i wow i never made that connection before but that yeah, is a very I think similar plot that's why i liked this arc because it was it kind of it felt like it was giving me the same vibes yeah i, li- I liked that series too it's, it's that was the good. best book though was that first one that first one was the best yeah actually i well I really enjoyed 501st. Uh, there was the fifth book in the series when they're fighting mm-hmm. as Imperial Commandos. That one was pretty sweet. Um, so later on, uh, we have the Ryloth arc where she commands her first squadron. So already into her first couple months in the Clone Wars, which lasts three years. Yeah. Uh, she's a commander now. and uh, it's so fast. And yeah. I would think a lot of the 
clone soldiers might be second guessing that promotion. Right. Well, that's <laughs> the whole that's a whole big part of this of this episode arc is that she she learns to deal with uh, with the loss of of leading troops into battle and 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 that some of the men die on her watch. Right. Man, and uh, she quite a way to steal yourself. Right. And like yeah. change your heart. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really it's a really tough moment for her because she realizes that there's consequences being a leader that that she has to accept, right? And and uh, being such a young person, just being on the front lines in general, and now she's a commander, and now she's leading people it to to their death, basically, right? Like it's like it's it's twisted, it's twisted. And when you think about the whole concept of like the Jedi being peacekeepers, it's just like. And sending you, I, I I can see why twelve year old kids in the battle, <laughs> right? And, and I I can see why 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 she makes the choice that she does, like at the end of the end of the show, but um, we'll get to that. Uh, so again, it's worth mentioning. This is another disclaimer that I'm gonna drop. But if you have not watched the Clone Wars, there, there's no better way to experience the story than to watch it yourself. This is just a recap that we're giving you, but uh, spoilers all the way. Um, later on Felucia, she ignores some orders and as a punishment, uh, she's sent to work in the Jedi archives in the library and gets caught up in the whole holocron heist that Cad Bane pulls on behalf of Palpatine to steal Jedi holocron and the, and obtain a Kyber crystal, which is kept by another Jedi master on another planet of some kind. And, and that crystal has names of children written on there combined with the holocron reveals a list of four sensitive children around the galaxy. And Palpatine's whole evil plan is to kidnap these children and turn them into science experiments where uh, they work as uh, agents of, of evil, basically, for him. And uh, she takes inquisitors? part in... To, yes, so this is all kind of foreshadowing the whole plan that he has to have inquisitors as Jedi hunters. Uh, but yeah, she helps recover the stolen Force younglings and, and, and nothing happens with that. But uh, how would you like that arc? I, I like it more now that we know what happens later on because it it did reveal a lot of Palpatine's plans. And it also kind of showed the fact that, yeah, we, we stopped him in this arc, but he just tried again. And he, no one noticed that he got away with it. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, he I mean? tries more than once. He tries uh, once in Clone Wars and then he tries again in Rebels. And, right. Uh, and, well, and that's also- later. That's mm-hmm. later after the Inquisitors have even become a thing. Uh, there's a whole arc where inquisitors are trying to go after four sensitive children as well, Poor and Palpatine ironically, can't, can't ironically enough, it. yeah, and we'll get to that arc as well. But ironically <laughs> enough, that's when Ahsoka makes a big entrance and and fights them. Uh, so she, uh, in another arc here, she helps defend uh, a bunch of villagers, a bunch of farmers against Hondo yeah. and his pirate gang. Which uh, this episode was very much stylized to replicate uh, the plot of uh, Seven Samurai, which is one of George Lucas's favorite favorite movies um and uh, one of the movies that inspired him to be a filmmaker in the first place and so this is one of my favorites actually of the first uh, first two seasons is yeah, one of my the, favorite episodes the turtle people they're training to fight back yeah yeah, yeah and they, one thing they, that i really noticed about this arc as well as it it's it's kind of that story of you need to train the villagers to defend themselves instead of just mm-hmm. protecting them like you, yeah you know you know, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach him to fish, he'll eat, eat forever. Kind yeah. of same idea, but defending themselves. And this is actually a reoccurring story in this Star Wars narrative. We've now mm. seen it. We've already mentioned it once before in the same arc with the the Lumens. 
I get that right? Uh, when when they were defending the uh, the yeah the Lerman people, Lermans, yeah, because yeah, they teach yeah. them as well how to defend themselves. So they do that twice in the Clone Wars, and then they do it again in Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and there was also uh, of course the Onderon arc, which I'll get to as yeah, well. That too, uh, where go. they have to train. That's yeah, there, there is always there's a lot of that that echo through the series of of passing on what you've learned, right? And that's that's something that. Yoda instructs Luke to do as well. It's like you pass on what you've learned. And uh, in this particular episode, it's the first time that Ahsoka has had to do that. It's the first time that, well, because with the Lermans, I guess I guess she she helped defend them, but she didn't need to teach them how to fight. She just had to teach them, along with Anakin and the others, to stand up for themselves because they wouldn't. They would just let these droids walk over their village and do nothing about it. Right. Uh, but this is the first time she's had to like, this is how you hold a pitchfork this is how you twirl it around this is how you stab somebody and uh and so this is the first time she had to actually train anybody how to fight um and it's also the first time i think that we that we is it the first time that uh, she meets hondo i think it's the first time that she meets hondo uh but the second yeah, time that we meet right. hondo as a character because hondo pops up before in the duke captured arc but this is the first time that ahsoka meets hondo uh so Another arc popping up. Uh, she helps take out the Geonosian factory on uh, on Geonosis. We return to Geonosis again, and faces uh, after that whole thing is over. She faces a uh, uh, this zombie worm virus thing, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, takes cool over idea. the minds. Yeah, yeah, it takes over the minds of of brain its victims. Worms. Yeah, brain worms. The uh, brain invaders. I think the episode uh, was called. And uh, she needs to fight Barris, which is one of her friends on this mission on the ship. She's a fellow Jedi. Um, yeah. So, so the first time that Ahsoka has to actually like fight one of her friends and, you know, um, she's going to be fighting many of her friends by the end of this whole thing. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's the first time that she's kind of had to deal with being uh, alone in a situation where her her life is really mm -hmm. uh, kind of at stake and and. and all that so actually uh who she fights Barris Ophi yeah she also has a very interesting story arc unto herself yeah and, and this is this arc is actually the first time that she meets Barris who becomes a good friend of hers at the at the Jedi temple and and Barris is kind of a key player later on which we'll talk about um she loses her lightsaber at one point in uh in the lower levels of Coruscant uh on a mission with Anakin and uh and gets pickpocketed. Yes, she gets pickpocketed and and goes to this uh, old senior Jedi at the temple for for help in trying to uh, uh, trying to track the, the the thief down and and really learns a lesson in patience through this whole thing. I think that yeah. was the key. The I key like this arc a lot. I, I liked this one. Yeah, it was a standalone episode, but I I really do oh, like yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the old Jedi who she went to for help, or I guess to yeah, offer. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit uh, in light of the Jedi, because he, as we know now, would have been one of the Jedi that essentially retired from a Jedi service that's and now right. just kind of hangs around the temple. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Jedi who's kind of outlived their their usefulness, I guess, yeah. so to speak. And so when Ahsoka comes to him with a problem, he sees it as an opportunity to try to contribute and help again instead yeah. of just sitting Going around yeah. forced retirement. Yeah, so because he can't walk very fast, he's not very, very upbeat. Hasn't exactly fought in any wars lately. Uh, she has to learn patience while they drive beneath the speed limit and do all these, all these slow things. But she realizes yeah. that uh, sometimes being, 
being patient taking is your time actually, and uh, planning ahead and thinking about all the variables be yeah which is a very contrast thing to what she's learned from her teaching of anakin because anakin yeah. is one of those people that's just go 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 yeah, yeah. go shoot, shoot, <laughs> shoot first ask questions later yeah 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 exactly that's what anakin's like and and so um so Dave Filoni actually said something about about Ahsoka, and this was actually Eckstein said this as well. I think in interviews, but by the end of the Clone Wars, she's really kind of the best balance of any Jedi and what they could be because she's got all the benefits of learning from Anakin, which has very useful, you know, great. She's he's a good teacher in some in some areas, but then there's of course things that she's learned uh, from Obi Wan as well, which have also played an effect in her life. And then she's learned things from Plo Koon and, and from mm. uh, now this Jedi as well. She's got all these influences in her life, including Padme, who's also worth mentioning is a, is a huge influence on her life as, as her and Anakin are close and, uh, and Ahsoka is always hanging around Anakin. So she's, she's subject to spending a lot of time around Padme and the two of them actually have quite a few arcs together. Um, and Padme being, being such a great character in in the whole saga uh you know i feel like i feel like her kind of strength as a character rubs off on ahsoka quite a bit as well oh absolutely yeah so she's really great job in in the clone wars franchise really building up padme as well yeah yeah in an excellent way yeah she was very prominent and important character in phantom menace and then she feels kind of brushed to the side after that yeah a little bit yeah, a little bit. Um, so they did a great job making her feel as important as she actually was in the story arc. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so she's a blend of all these kind of good these good influences, and this, that's a pattern that's worth kind of uh, recognizing as we go through these arcs. You know, including that one arc where I mentioned Ayla Sakura was on there, uh, how she was trying to teach Ahsoka to be independent without Anakin and to save Anakin's life. It was the first time that she's been put in that position. So she learns from all these great people. Um, she helps on an arc uh, with Plo Koon to track down Boba Fett and Aura Singh to save a bunch of clone captives that they've taken in uh, in a uh, in an attempt to try and lure out Mace Windu because Boba's on a mission to kill Windu for, for the death of his father. And, uh, and Plo Koon decides to go instead of Windu just to not aggravate the boy. And, and Ahsoka kind of tags along and they have kind of a, a, a big rundown on, on, uh, Florum, uh, which is, uh, is where Aura and, and Boba have been hiding out with the captives. So there was that whole story arc. And I really enjoyed that story arc, the whole young Boba Fett arc where the first yep. time that we really get him in the show as a focus character, uh, was actually, it was the first time in general, I think that he was in the show. Uh, but that was one of the best arcs, I think out of the first half of the whole series. Hmm. Was this, this wasn't the one where Boba was sneaking out of Camino, right? It was a different one. No, this is, that's the same one. The same oh, it arc. Is. Okay. It's, it's yeah, a three. I like this. Yeah. I like it's this a longer one arc. too. Yeah. It's like exactly. three or four episodes long, but yeah, it's, it's good. You should do a, a Boba Fett a breakdown as well. Yeah, that's the plan. Fill in a lot of blanks for a lot <laughs> of people. That's the plan. We'll, we'll do Boba as well at some point. Uh, <laughs> so, so on. <clears throat> Boba, what is soy? All right, all right. Back to the story. <laughs> um, she helps on, uh, on Mandalore educate younger people about corruption. 
and ends up putting a stop to a plot which uh, some of the kids discover, which is underway by Prime Minister Almec of purchasing items off the black market to to uh, satisfy the people, which at this point in the war is very difficult apparently to get supplies because trade routes are blocked off and this and that and whatever. So uh, he ends up dealing in the black market and and uh, and consequences come out of that. Children get sick because he's buying cheap uh, cheap supplies like for, for juices and stuff for their children at schools. And, and so uh, as they're fed, they get sick and it's a whole kind of ripple effect across the whole planet. So uh, she hen- ends up helping and uncovering this whole thing and, and uh, he gets put in the slammer. So <laughs> that was, uh, but that was her first, that was another experience that yeah. she's had where she yeah. has to teach. Teaching these, these children and then they yeah. ended up finding all the political corruption. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's another moment of her passing down what she's learned. Yeah. Um, and as her experience has kind of been accelerated through her firsthand experience in this in this war in the first place. And, and uh, here's these kids that are her age and if not, maybe older or younger, whatever. And uh, she went in the place of Obi-Wan, didn't she? Originally, uh, yeah, I, I think when well, when. When Anakin drops her off, he explains that uh, that the Duchess or, or or something like that, or the Jedi Council thought it would be easier for the children to connect with someone their own age. So they send her to do it. Um, so this is kind of another important moment where she has to instruct people on what she's learned. And then she actually ends up putting it to practice with them right. um, as they uncover this plot. So that was, that was kind of a cool arc. And, and it really introduces Mandalore for the first time. Uh, in a, in a thorough way in the show, uh, and that was something that was worth kind of getting into as well. Yep, and this is when we found out that uh, Mandalore is now all pacifists, and everyone's favorite race of warriors is essentially yeah. being destroyed. And people got really bad at Dave Filoni about this. <laughs> right, right. It just destroyed all of the EU. <laughs> Uh, there was a arc where she goes on a mission to defend Padme, who she keeps having nightmares and visions of that Aura Singh is about to kill her. And uh, she has to, she's kind of, in this moment, she's tested. And the, I think the force is, it, it's a, it's a, a tr- at one of the trials, I guess, a trial would be the right word that the Jedi would describe it, that she goes through in, in a process of kind of maturing herself as a Jedi. Uh, she has to kind of trust her instincts on, on how to decipher these visions that she's getting from the Force. Like she doesn't yeah. know, right? Like a, like a and, lot of these visions is not like looking through a window. <laughs> no, and it's, it's very interpretive. Yeah. And something that I actually really liked about this arc was it also foreshadowed what was to happen with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's also getting premonitions of the future. And in this, we see how Ahsoka handles it differently. Yeah. Where she actually is able to use it to make a plan and actually save Padme Mm -hmm. and capture Aura Singh, as opposed to Anakin, who uh, turns into Darth Vader. (laughs) (laughs) That's to put it lightly, but, but, but yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, like Anakin is, he does, he, as experienced as he is, he is, uh, in a way 
handicapped by the fact that he's had these visions before and it happened, right? right? That's true. And and when he's having these visions about Padme, he refuses to let it happen again. So he goes out of his way to do anything possible to prevent it from happening. And in which case causes that thing to happen in the first place because he goes out and does something. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, it's it's, it's Macbeth. It's just Macbeth right there. And so like it's so Shakespearean. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love that movie so much. And, uh, and so Ahsoka handles it very differently. And, and, uh, and this is kind of like this, this defining moment for her as like she mm-hmm. matures in the force as a Jedi by, by deciphering these, these visions and ends up saving Padme's life. So I really like this one as well. Uh, she helps recover Chairman Papanoida's daughter who was kidnapped by the Trade Federation. And uh, Chairman Papanoida, that's the uh, that's the character that George Lucas plays a cameo of in the live action films in the background. Oh, I didn't realize it was the same guy. It's it's based off that character. Yeah, it's it's that character that he plays in, in the yeah. visual dictionaries. It's a picture of him in the costume. Man, and Papanoida put on a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his daughter, and this is also the same arc actually that we meet Greedo in the Clone Wars. That's that's right. And yeah. uh, he's one of the people that actually kidnapped the daughter. And um, I uh, I liked this arc because it introduces Ahsoka to one of the um, more prominently to some of the characters she interacts with later. But uh, but it's also just another just another good story arc that she's that she's been involved with and helped save the day and whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, another one, Padme takes her to Raxus. I really love this episode. And she meets uh, she meets Lux, who is uh, Lux Bonteri, the son of Mina Bonteri, the senator of of Raxus, which is a separatist planet. Yeah. And the episode is called Heroes on Both Sides. And she really discovers in this episode. This is also where they changed her model and gave her a different costume and everything, and the two lightsabers. Um, this is really the episode where she discovers that there's people on both sides of the war that have suffered losses and aren't exactly evil. Like when she no, thinks just of that got caught up in the civil war. Yeah, and they've, and they've been lied to as much as people in the Republic. To be exactly, exactly. Yeah, and she yeah. realizes that there's victims on both sides, and like it's not it like the separatists aren't defined by the evils of of Dooku, Dooku. and Grievous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which when she thinks about the separatists, like oh, they're the people yeah. that control the droids, they're the people that that bring terrible things to the Republic. That's exactly it, and that's what I actually really liked about it as well because it wasn't even just saying that to Ahsoka, it was explaining that to the audience as well. Because yeah. up to this point, when we hear the separatists, where we think of the Trade Federation and includes the Techno Union and the Banking Clan and basically just these militarized groups and not other planets that are just kind of caught up in it that are just the same as the, the planets we are on the Republic side. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Palpatine, who's driving this entire war in the first place, I mean, there's going to be victims on both sides in every way whatsoever. And, you know, without that knowledge, though, she kind of still comes to that conclusion that there is a lot of stuff happening out in the galaxy that's terrible for people on both sides. Some pe- a lot of people just caught up, caught, caught up into it. And, and Lux's father was, you know, prime example of that. He was, he was uh, on a separatist base. He was a you know, just a, I think he was a, a uh, I forget what he was working as an occupation. It wasn't, it wasn't military related, but uh, the way that Mina Bonteri describes it is like clones came into the base and attacked the base and, and he was killed. 
Yeah, they and, just came in and slaughtered everyone. Exactly. Even yeah. the civilians. Yeah. And, and when Ahsoka hears this, she's like, what? Like, you know, she can't really, she can't believe it being on the other side of that yeah. fence and then seeing it from the other side of what it looks like. And I think she realizes that the war isn't black and white. You know, there's a lot of shades of gray in there. And there's uh, there's a lot of reasons for, for her, uh, who's up until this point kind of been like Anakin, like, go, go, go fighting for the Republic, fighting for freedom and this and yeah, that. Yeah, because what they're doing is just and all bad deeds are justified, right? Yeah. And, and it's really like the first point, I think, for me, at least when I recognize what a peacekeeper is who would remain in any conflict impartial, it's kind of a moment for her where she realizes like, oh, I think being a Jedi is more than just killing people on the other side of the fence. Like, I think we're supposed to be better than that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's kind of a, a really defining moment for her because later on when she becomes more than a Jedi, um, this is a, a really key moment in, in that choice. Uh, so uh, one of the one of the next story arcs is uh, one of my favorites of all time. It's uh, it's the Mortis trilogy, and Such a classic. Uh, this is probably one of the most important story arcs in the whole show. Yeah, I only wrote down a couple notes, and most of them have to have Mortis. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Well, I'll let you explain it first. Well, okay, I'm not going to explain the whole arc, but uh, basically her, Kenobi, and Anakin end up in this mystic realm. They meet three figures who are figureheads, physical embodiments of different sides of the Force. There's the father, who's the balance, the son, which is the darkness, and then there's the daughter, who is uh, the light. And a, a, a vast amount of events transpire on this planet in in three episodes. And at the end of the ep- of the trilogy, she ends up dying uh, because the son kidnaps her and infects her and and takes her life. And uh, the daughter is actually also kind of on their way out the door as far as dying goes. And uh, whatever life force that she has in her body transfers it into Ahsoka and saves her life. Yep. And it's the first time that we ever actually not only see the concept of the life force being like transferred from one person to another, which repeats itself now in in a few things, as well as reflects itself in the force healing ability that we get in Mandalorian and yeah. Rise of Skywalker. But, uh, but after this episode, there's this bird which uh which continues to yeah yeah, it's an owl and and it 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 reflects the colors of the daughter and it continues to pop up wherever ahsoka is follows her even across planets across systems everywhere it just shows up up here and there i would say it it shows up pretty infrequently in clone wars but beyond that i believe it's always there because it's it's always somewhere in rebels i'm not not through the whole, like every single shot of the episode, but it shows up every time we see Ahsoka and it even shows up in Mandalorian. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, there's a lot of theories about this owl, uh, which I forget the name of now, but what, like, what's, what's your theory about the owl? Because I've got a theory, but I'm just yeah. curious if you have yeah, one. This is more or less the notes that I wrote down. Because so. <laughs> it is a really important part. I think it actually is... The daughter, that's my personal thought. I, I think it actually is like the, the daughter gave up her life force, but I think she essentially reincarnated as this bird. Mm. 
and interesting she has the a tie to ahsoka for reviving her right and sacrificing herself for ahsoka so right. i think that's the connection and that's why this bird falls are everywhere yeah i mean i like to think i like to think that that that's pretty close to what i had a feeling about i mean i think that this this owl or this bird is like keeping an eye on her in a way that yeah. uh they're they're tied almost like they're tied together uh that the daughter's life force which is this uh incredibly powerful being you know the the daughter the son mm-hmm. and the father are more powerful than than most of the jedi are yeah aside from aside from anakin they're they're all more powerful than than any of them so i think it's like is definitely so, worth mentioning like that, a guardian angel yeah yeah it's definitely worth is mentioning that i think like the the daughter's whatever is left of her or of her essence is now in the in the yeah. body yeah. of this bird and yeah just kind of follows her around all, yeah, all over that's, the place that's kind of what i was getting at too mm-hmm. uh one thing that I think actually this arc and what happens as we just described with the daughter, I think that actually is the linchpin of Ahsoka going forward for what happens to her. Because the original plan was for Ahsoka to die fighting Vader, which we'll get into later. But I think because of this moment with the daughter, that is what Dave Filoni used as the excuse to get her out and Mm. for her just a lot of her big start story points beyond that where she should be dead. Right. And the potentiality of some of the storylines that uh, could come out of Ahsoka really changing the future from what it could have been like course correcting, like the dark side, for example, like going down the storyline of Palpatine coming back. I think using starting from like this story point of, of the daughter sacrificing herself created an alternate timeline reality, essentially. And that's more mm-hmm. or less what we see happening in the, was like the space beyond spaces. Oh, and the world between worlds. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And that's how uh, Ahsoka was able to live like through what her original right, like right off death. Yeah, yeah. I, I when whenever the, the topic of the world between worlds comes up, I'm I'm always just like, oh, the the, the possibilities for this place are endless. I mean, yeah, uh, I know. I, I it's, would, it I is would a, love to get into that more. It's <laughs> we tough could do a, because a full episode it, just on world between it's worlds. It's something <laughs> that it's something that has infinite possibilities and could make the Star Wars universe really interesting, but also simultaneously destroy it. So, yeah, it, you have yeah. to handle it so delicately because with yeah, it, you it really can is. do or yeah. undo anything. And then we have a Marvel problem. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Mortis arc, very important, and uh, and uh, covered that. So next arc, Ahsoka recovers. Uh, well, she goes on a mission to rescue. Uh, who was it? It was. Uh, she goes on a rescue mission to the Citadel, which is uh, basically built as a Jedi prison. And she's not supposed to be on that mission, but she goes anyways and uh, and ends up becoming one of the most important people on that team. Because even Peel, who is that little little dwarfy Jedi, <laughs> I always forget his species name, he uh, he actually dies on the mission. And him and his captain, who ends up being Wilhoff Tarkin, a young Wilhoff Tarkin, uh, each contain half of the information to a particular 
hyperspace route or something like that, uh, a special set of coordinates. And so he passes her the, his information before he dies. And she's the only other person on the, the t- she's the only person on the team that actually knows it until they get back to Coruscant. And, and, uh, and I think for, for me, yeah. like aside from being such a great story arc, this was one of the best in the whole season. Uh, it was, it was not only shocking. Namely because of Tarkin. Uh, yeah, well that, and, and just like the, the, the brutality of some of these, some of the things that happened through the, through the arc was, was really quite, uh. A, oh, yeah. a turning event for the show because then it really proved to be it's like okay this show's aging up a little bit uh, but uh, we yeah, saw we, the death of a Jedi you're referring and, to yeah 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 even Peel and, and the so, torture for information oh uh, that too yeah a lot of things so uh, so Ahsoka becomes a very important figure you're and, going to and, lose your one good eye <laughs> yeah 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 exactly that's, you know that's a line about. from that episode yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember. The, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ahsoka becomes a very important person in the in this in the story arc. But uh, I really love the story arc. I don't know about you, but but it's one of my favorites. I have to get help. No, don't leave. Listen to me carefully, child. The information I need you to deliver it back to the council. I should find Anakin or Obi-Wan. They need to hear this. No. You must listen. But I wasn't assigned to the team. I lied just so I could be a part of the mission. Whether you were meant to be on this mission or not, you are now the most important part of it. Remember this, and see to it that the information I'm about to give you is revealed to no one. But the Jedi Council. I wouldn't put it that high, but it was pretty good. And I found it pretty funny that Tarkin, you, you see Tarkin and Anakin in this episode really bond. <laughs> yeah, you do. So you do. Tarkin That's what makes it like one of my Jedi. favorites. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes Tarkin it one of my favorites. Like the Jedi because he thinks they lack the, the fortitude to finish what they start. Yeah. They always quit just before true victory. And Anakin says, oh, yeah, I agree with that all entirely. I think they do, like, not quite finish the job. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he, Anakin comes clean. He's like, yeah, I do believe that our code prevents us from going as far as achieving what we could if we didn't have it. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So him and Will have really bond on that story. And by the end of the arc, when they shake hands, you hear the little... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> a little vader theme like when they're like you know shaking ads kind of thing um so next story arc ahsoka's kidnapped by trandoshans this is kind of that moment i was referring to earlier when she has to be independent uh she gets kidnapped and put on a planet yeah. for for game uh for sport and the trandoshans come down to, to try and hunt jedi padawan she realizes she's not the only jedi here and there's other Jedi younglings and Padawans. Uh, I think there's like three others or something like that on this planet, on this moon. And, yeah, there's uh, quite a few of them. Yeah, and, and so They've it becomes all given this. Up hope. Yeah, they all they all given up hope about about leaving, and they, they're all convinced they're just going to die there. And it's like this super depressing thing. And here comes Ahsoka. And they're even getting to the point where they're somewhat turning to the dark side, willing to give in to like their anger and their frustration of being captured right. in there for months it seems like yeah and yeah. actually using the force to choke out a different trend trend oceans they come across and stuff 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Ahsoka kind of goes in with her with her experience now and everything. And and not only was able to at the end of the episode arc, she she tells Anakin, she's like, because of your teachings, I wasn't only able to uh, to save myself, but I was able to lead others to survive as well. And and I think that's like one of yeah, including Chewbacca. It's worth noting that Chewbacca is introduced in this in this episode arc, and her and Ahsoka kind of build a relationship there. And and I thought that was one of the (laughs) sweetest things about about this arc was that we have this classic character from from now at this point. I would consider even just the prequel era, like the fall of the Jedi, that whole section of time, where Ahsoka is now one of the most prominent characters of that time. And Chewbacca being one of the most prominent characters of, you know, the the Rebellion Empire time. And this is the mm-hmm. arc where they kind of meet. And well, he also fought in the Clone Wars. We just don't know he did. about it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And we didn't see him that much in episode three. It was like little little appearances. But I, I always thought that was like one was of the It was a name things. drop from Yoda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was there. He, he helped uh, Yoda make his way to the escape pod and had him shoot off into this into space uh but but i, I always liked the uh, chewbacca and and ahsoka meeting i always thought that was one of the coolest uh, one of the best uh ways to introduce that character into the show uh but uh, a very important lesson for her because because you know she she really gets to put her all her abilities and her knowledge to uh, the real test kind of thing right and if she was any older i'm pretty sure they would have made her a knight like the, this is this is probably worthy. Most of being likely, yeah, yeah. That would have that would have been enough to be a trial. I would say yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think for story purposes they didn't. But realistically, especially after reading that uh, that test of courage book that that we just read um, in the High Republic, yeah, where there's like a 15 year old Jedi. Oh, yeah, Ahsoka like, was far beyond. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like far, far beyond, beyond the, the capabilities of, of that girl. Exactly. Yeah. So it's my theory that at this point she would have been but yeah. Uh, so she was instrumental in uh, the Battle of Moncala, uh, protecting King Lee Char, um, and uh, that was an interesting arc, which kicked off season four, because uh, I mean we got to see this very, this very uh, evolved society that we know a lot from the original trilogy. Never got to see their homeworld. And uh, it's it's really cool to see that Ahsoka was involved in those early days before the Empire came in and destroyed it, kind of thing. But uh, to really right. uh, be instrumental in in protecting this character that would later in the Vader comic series be uh, uh, kind of a bigger deal. But um, really like that arc as well. Uh, she was influential on the. Cadavo story arc and ends up saving her people from uh, captivity who are being used as as slaves. Oh yes, they're being slaved. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that whole story arc was was yeah. was very cool and and kind of a personal one for Ahsoka because that she was really pretty gets interesting. To, yeah, and, and she she gets put into a place where I think Anakin would have been. <laughs> Have all too happy to kind of go back to Tatooine as a Jedi and and free the yeah. slaves, right? And that's that's kind of something that's, that's always so true. She got head. to like live and, out yeah. Anakin's dream, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Plan. Yeah, and that's what I always liked about that. And episode. Anakin was in here as well, mm-hmm. and I, you could see Anakin in this episode, in his arc, really struggle with 
his deep-seated hatred of slavers yeah. from being a former slave himself. Yeah, yeah, totally. I actually really love that moment where he, he like he like force grabs this hollow this uh, the the hollow transceiver device where there's like a message mm-hmm. of one of the there's a, a Zigerian slaver that's talking to Kenobi or something like that. He just grabs it. And he's like, oh, Zigerian scum. Like, you know, and he's like ready to just like tear the head off of this guy. Right. Yeah. And, and Kenobi, like Ahsoka is just like, like what just happened? And, and, and it's revealed to her in this story <laughs> arc. Uh, Obi-Wan finally tells her, cause throughout the whole show, including the Clone Wars movie, she's asked Anakin about his past and she's, he's never told her. And it's in this story arc that Obi-Wan comes clean and says, Anakin was actually raised as a slave and uh, and his mother died and, you know, all this stuff. And she's like, oh, crap. Like, I, I didn't know. Uh, so she gets to live yeah. out that experience, though, of liberating her people when Anakin never could. Um, the next story arc was uh, was pretty cool. Ahsoka protects uh, her friend Lux, who we met in the Heroes on Both Sides episode from from Dooku. But she gets sucked into this whole plot where Lux has made a a pact with the devil, basically, being Death Watch terrorist organization to try and track down Dooku, who's looking to seek revenge on him for for betraying Death Watch. It's a whole lot of stuff that goes back to earlier episodes. Uh, But uh, she ends up meeting Bo-Katan on this episode for the first time. And uh, and Ahsoka and and Lux have this kind of bonding moment there, and uh, really become closer friends and and help uh, liberate a bunch of villagers from from Death Watch. But they make a narrow escape by the end, and Lux goes his own separate way. And uh, and uh, uh, I think the important thing to note about this one is it that is, she meets I... Bo-Katan for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also. Lux, we see through uh, this storyline, really starts to become her romantic interest. Yeah, yeah. Where she has to deal with her feelings towards Lux and trying to keep with the the Jedi Order's rules. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. She really kind of struggles with that a little bit, and that again pops up later uh, in the in the next arc, actually, uh, where she helps on Onderon to train freedom fighters, including Saw Gerrera. Um, and she, uh, Lux pops up again in this arc and, uh, she really struggles with that again as he kind of actually falls for, uh, Stila, Saw sister. And, uh, oh, that's right. It's in this arc that Anakin really recognizes. It a love triangle. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's another arc where Ahsoka is helping train these people who will eventually become rebels and uh and it's it's a it's a cool moment where anakin recognizes that ahsoka's got some feelings tied up with lux and he doesn't want to be a hypocrite but (laughs) he does have to give his jedi advice right so so you get this kind of big big brother kind of yeah you get this big brother moment where he kind of gives the whole like do as i say not as i do sort of thing um, but, uh, of course he doesn't yeah. talk about Padme, but, but as viewers, we all know what's going on. Right. So it's an interesting moment there. But he also can't reveal that either. So no, he can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so later on she helps with the gathering, which is a, a group of Padawans that go to Ilum for the, to, uh, get their Kyber crystals for their lightsabers. And, uh, there are younglings that, that are going to be Padawans soon. That's kind of that 
age group. And uh, the ship is attacked by pirates. Uh, yes. Of course, it's this Hondo. Is, uh... <laughs> And uh, yeah. it's also to helps. note that in this arc is the first time that we see Jedi get their crystals on screen. Yeah, we see the first uh, the the process of, of how that works, which is really cool. Um, and she helps the Padawans on on their their survival mission after their ship is kind of raided by these pirates and stuff like that. There's a I think there's like two or three episodes worth of an arc, and and she even comes face to face with Grievous again in this arc. Uh, and uh, and there's that's a lot right. of yep. stuff that transpires. They try to shoot him down with a ship, but they can't hit yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you they almost kill him, actually. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they shoot him with the ship, and he kind of goes into the fetal position. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Uh, Ahsoka, and he runs away. <laughs> at the end of, uh, of season five now, uh, Ahsoka is accused of bombing the Jedi Temple. And uh, after after she's she's told by the council who bring in her and Anakin, who was off planet when the bombing happened, that they're going to be used as an, an impartial, uh, you know, free of any any accusations, of course, uh, to uncover the mystery of this bombing attack. And she ends up winding in the position of being uh, accused as being the bomber because someone is setting her up. And she's kicked out of the Jedi Temple because the council. This is a crazy story arc. Oh, oh yeah. It was this was the one that honestly it was one of the most emotional arcs of the whole show, and it was the one that that really it was a game changer. It was like this is the arc that you really get a feeling when you watch the show, right? Uh, where you really start to care about this honestly, character in a like, way that you've never felt. This before. was, yeah, yeah. This was honestly just one of the most intense episodes of probably the entire series. And it really showed a lot of the characters' true colors mm-hmm. that we kind of grew attached to over the series and made revealed themselves to how we see them in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so something about about this arc is is that once they once they accuse her. Uh, this is just there's so many details about this arc I'd love to just get in the nitty gritty with but but you know for the sake of time uh, she ends up getting kicked out of the of the Jedi Temple and uh, she actually spends this very foreshadowing moment of, uh, of being on the run after she escapes from from her prison cell and uh, and she's being chased by clones and Anakin Skywalker and it's this like really foreshadow moment of like yeah she's like this is your life in a year <laughs> and uh, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's like this is all the Jedi in 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 not very much time they're gonna be being chased by clones and and uh, on the run and yeah total like foreshadowing yeah on yeah, the run not only from and, clones but Anakin Skywalker <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so it's it was it was a it was a really cool cool arc it's one of my favorites in the whole show and um and by the end of the episode because of i would say ironically because of what happened actually put her in a position to avoid order 66 yeah yeah exactly that's another thing yeah it's like this was another trial that overcoming this would then prep her for the real thing right uh and so she gets kicked out of the Jedi temple and, and, and they, she kind of, she has, she's always had this thing with Ventress, but she, she and Ventress end up building a relationship over this arc and they kind of help each other. And she helps her uncover that, uh, that Barris Offie is actually, actually the one that's uh, actually Skywalker ends up doing it. He, he, but at her, at her trial, when she's uh, uh, being, 
being accused after being captured and and all that stuff uh they realize it's it's Berezofi who's been setting her up the whole time anyway uh the council basically says okay you know what you can come back in the jedi temple we're sorry you know they give they give the whole i'm sorry speech and and then she ends up turning down the opportunity to come back and and she she realizes that's this is not what she wants to be a part of anymore well, they wanted to act like the whole thing just never happened. Like, oh, we made a mistake. We didn't mean to throw you out of the order and try to arrest you and put you through all these trials and everything. And it had military chasing you down. Let's pretend it never happened. Yeah, she's lost faith in the Jedi. She's lost faith that they're on the right side anymore. And and I, I believe that she she thinks they are trying to do good, but the code and everything is preventing them from from doing enough and they're actually not focused on helping people anymore they're focused on winning this war and and that to her is is uh, is a huge turnoff and and the fact that they lost faith in her when originally she was supposed to be completely kept out of the whole suspicion of anyone being suspected uh, uh, to, as being the bomber it, it's uh, it, it's an an incredible 180 hypocrite moment for the Jedi right there. So uh, that's that's a big moment to recognize. Let's let's listen to a clip here. Ahsoka, I am so sorry about everything. You have our most humble apologies, little Soka. The council was wrong to accuse you. You have shown such great strength and resilience in your struggle to prove your innocence. This is the true sign of a Jedi Knight. This was actually your great trial. Now we see that. We understand that the Force works in mysterious ways. And because of this trial, you have become a greater Jedi than you would have otherwise. Back into the Order, you make her. They're asking you back, Ahsoka. I'm asking you back. The Council didn't trust me, so how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin. 
and I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council, and without you. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. This moment was one of the saddest moments for me when I was watching the show. I mean, I, I legitimately shed a tear when I saw this episode for the first time. But it's in this moment that she realizes, even though the Jedi is her life, it is her home, she, she's choosing to give that up for the, what she believes is the right reason. Because she believes that she can't stay there anymore. Like she, Not only does it just not sit well with her, but there's many reasons for her to leave. Right. And, and, and move on and do something better, something more. And it's amazing to think that if she had stayed, she could have been a Jedi Knight. Like that was potentially the trial that they would have elected to have her make the status of Jedi Knight, assuming that she came back into the order again. So I think at, at the time of the purge and everything, that skill-wise and everything, I, th I think it's safe to say that Ahsoka Tana was a Jedi Knight uh, by that point and uh, uh, transcending into the Mandalorian. You know, she didn't end off her Jedi career as a Padawan. Technically, she did, but uh, but she she got to that level of, of being knight status in a way. Here's the thing about Ahsoka, though. After she leaves the Jedi, she realizes that she has this purpose, this ability to help people in a way that she couldn't when she was part of the Jedi Order. And I think that's one of the biggest things in her leaving that she comes to realize in those arcs that follow her leaving the temple. And that's one of the best things about this character that they kind of turn to her into To be what the this. Jedi were supposed to be. Yeah, to be what the Jedi are supposed to be. To be what Qui-Gon is, right, before he dies is a Jedi that actually cares about people. And and that's something that Dave actually talks about. It's funny how his, she never met Qui-Gon, but really like becomes Qui-Gon was. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the things that lingers with me about the character. And and that's what Dave said in his his whole his whole spiel that that we listened to about Dave talking about about the prequels and then, you know, the episode 1 through 6 kind of arc that he's got going on uh he says something about Qui-Gon that always stuck out to me is that Qui-Gon is so far ahead of all the other Jedi because he knows that he's, that they're supposed to care about people. Like they're supposed to be mm -hmm. loving, right? But It's not just trying to keep the peace from a political perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just about that. And it's not about, uh, about saying no, turning a blind eye to feeling, to feeling care towards anyone because uh, because you need those feelings to to really make a difference, right? But the Jedi are so caught up in their ways, their their dogmatic view of saying we have to say no to no emotion, no emotion at all. It's going to help yeah. us do our job properly. 
to you with uh, only logic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's no that's no proper way to go about helping anyone, especially if they just need someone to care about them, right? And Anakin Skywalker is the perfect example of that. And and that's why he goes in that whole spiel about like Qui-Gon is the father that Anakin needs and he doesn't he doesn't get that. And and that's why it's called the duel of fates and everything. And so Ahsoka is kind of that character to me by the end of this show, she really becomes this this samurai character of of like hmm. that that is something to that's a respected kind of yeah. position to be in. And, you and know, it's she's, neat that after so Qui-Gon, I guess you can kind of see as yeah, like this the samurai, the proper the, the the true leader of what a Jedi is supposed to be for his era, and then he passes on. And then unfortunately there's a blank spot where we get Anakin and he goes entirely the wrong direction. Yeah. But through that, he actually trains Ahsoka, who becomes the Qui-Gon for the next generation. Yeah, because she takes all the best things about Anakin. She takes all the best things from him. She takes all the best things from Obi-Wan. She's the best of all these characters. And and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like she's got all these great examples in her life and becomes the best of all of them. And and really becomes the best Jedi that's still alive that we actually know of. Aside from Luke Skywalker, who has this, you know, this this really uh well until until his last jedi moment <laughs> really I becomes uh i wonder if she'll ever take on an apprentice then maybe she'll train luke at some point for a while i don't know i don't know but i mean but that's that's her whole thing is that she stepped away from the jedi right and so going into uh well we're skipping ahead a little bit but i mean her her stature in the mandalorian is even though she has this uh even though the episode's called the jedi and and she has this uh um position as being recognized as one yeah she still she still won't yeah she still won't associate herself as a jedi because she's just not right and and i even at that point in time i like to think she's still above what a jedi is known to be at that point in time like Mm -hmm. because not only do they not exist but the last thing that they were known for was something they shouldn't be known for so uh she's really kind of elevated above that above that uh above that title and she's become something more. And uh, and that's something that Dave wraps up in this Gandalf persona. Right. Uh, who's a big fan of Lord of the Rings. And, uh, and Gandalf the Grey, as much as he's a wizard and stands for all these things and stuff, he dies. But he becomes something more. He becomes like... He elevates, right? He, go, he, gets, he gets better than what he was. Better than, better than he ever, ever has been. Uh, and becomes Gandalf the White, and it's I like to think that a lot that's of, what Ahsoka's storyline is like. Yeah, and coming to actually think of that from that perspective, when back to the Mortis trilogy, when Ahsoka did die, it was past that point where she started to take on a lot of the proper attributes of a Jedi as they were meant to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so it's definitely towards the end of the show that that's, that that's definitely that definitely could be then when she was brought back maybe it's not entirely just her anymore maybe a lot of the attributes that the sister had she then took on and they just didn't reveal themselves till over time oh so you think uh, some of the oh yeah that's true actually yeah so maybe you're thinking some of the influence in her life has also been the daughter as well yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's yeah, and, which is which is daughter. uh which is the uh physical persona of the light side of the force yeah so that's yeah that's that's a that's a great point yeah like that's that's, which is a very gandalf 
thing, right? Because Gandalf came back as Gandalf the White. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, that's that's a great point. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I see Steve stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, totally. He loves Lord of the Rings. Like yeah, that. I think we're on to something here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as I walk through this, I'm kind of also self-discovering some of these things as we go along. Um, Ahsoka realizes that the Republic has failed to protect the people that that it set out to protect when when it started fighting in the Clone Wars. And she has that, I mean, everything that we just talked about, it's kind of wrapped up in this story arc of her protecting these two girls, um, forget their names, but it's in the season seven arc where she has uh, those, those four, I think it's four episodes where she goes out and kind of keeps these two girls out of trouble for that whole yeah. duration of time. Yeah. And they go yeah. to uh, the the spice mines of Kessel. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole thing. So the two sisters. So a lot of people were like, Oh, why? I mean, like, I mean, of course, like, uh, they're not the most exciting of the Clone Wars arcs. I mean, you think I didn't that... mind them though, because it really showed, I guess that's what you're getting at. Is it really right. showed a lot of just the regular Republic citizens, especially in Coruscant. Yeah. And, what they actually think of the war, not just the politicians. Yeah. Well, and and what I really liked about this arc was that these two girls, their parents actually died in an event that happened early on in the show. So early on in season one, at the very end of the show, um, Zero, who is uh, Jabba's uncle, gets broken out of prison by Cad Bane and a bunch of bounty hunters. And uh, on their escape from Coruscant, it's kind of between episodes. But in this particular episode in season seven now with these two girls, they allude to the fact that there was this, that the Jedi actually chased him down on Coruscant and uh, went after Zero and that there was a ship crash that happened. And the ship that Zero was on, it was somehow got off or whatever. Some, some ship crashed down in the lower levels of Coruscant and killed a, a, a lot of people. And the Jedi just kind of packed up and went home. And it reminded me of of one of the Marvel characters that we've seen from, from uh, Captain America Civil War, who was a, a Sokovian guy, just a normal dude who's lost his family in Age of Ultron when Sokovia's blown up, right? Yeah. Uh, and he becomes this villain who seeks out to take out superheroes because, because they came to save the day, but his family died in the process and they just packed up and went home. And that was it, right? And yeah, he lost it's like, everything. It's a trickle effect of saving yeah. one thing. You can't, you can't save everyone. So right. then the, the damage caused in the act of saving then causes the next ripple of yeah. people wanting revenge for what happened to them. Exactly. And these two girls are kind of bitter about it. Like they're they're like, oh, the Jedi, they don't have time for us. Any, they don't have time for the, the Republic, for those people. They don't care about us. Like all they care about is the war and catching these criminals yeah. and whatever else. And right. Politics like, and stuff. Yeah. It's all just politics. Right. And Ahsoka hears their story and recognizes like, I, I remember that. Like, I remember that happened and 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 doesn't realize it's another heroes on both sides moment for her where she realizes there's other people being affected by this thing. And she realizes that being a Jedi, even though she hasn't revealed herself as a Jedi to them yet, she feels this obligation to help them and, and keep them kind of safe and out of trouble, which at the moment they're kind of in. And uh, because because I think she wants to to prove to herself and to, to them that the Jedi can be caring and that they can care about other people. 
So that was one of the uh, one of the biggest moments I think for for her character in season seven is is proving that to to herself. So that leads us into the fin uh, of the finale of uh, of uh, the the Clone Wars. Yeah, the grand finale that everyone's been looking forward to. A lot of people probably yeah. started the whole series just to see what happens in this moment. Yeah. So at the very end of this episode arc that with the two girls and stuff, Bo-Katan actually kind of seeks her out because meanwhile, back on Mandalore, things aren't going so well. And we uh, we covered all that in the Darth Maul episode of what happened with Darth Maul. So Bo-Katan seeks uh, Ahsoka for help and, and the Jedi's help. And uh, Ahsoka's like, well, I'm not a Jedi anymore. So uh, let's contact uh, my old friends and, and see if they're up for bringing the Republic military here to try and take Mandalore back. Master Windu, may I interrupt? General Kenobi has made contact with General Grievous, and we have begun our attack. Thank you, Commander. Anakin, deliver this report to the Chancellor. His reaction will give us a clue to his intentions. Yes, Master. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. The dark side of the Force surrounds the Chancellor. If he does not give up his emergency powers after the destruction of Grievous, then he should be removed from office. The Jedi Council would have to take control of the Senate in order to secure a peaceful transition. To a dark place, this line of thought will carry us. Mm. Great care we must take. I understand your mission was a success. Yes, I have Maul in custody. I will escort Commander Rex when he delivers him to Coruscant. A great service to the Republic you have done. I did my duty as a citizen. Not as a Jedi. No, not yet. All right, well, in this arc, which is, I would say, the best arc of the entire series, uh, we we follow Ahsoka as she goes to to Mandalore and she finds Darth Maul there. So her and the new three three two regiment is that right? Yeah, three thirty second three thirty second regiment of yeah. uh, of clones, which is half of the troops of the five hundred first. Anakin lent her. They go in after Maul and fight uh, the remains of, of Death Watch. And they kind of they get led into uh, the throne room where where Ahsoka uh, ends up dueling Maul, and they realize that they actually have a common goal, and they both want to try it. And I believe they're the plan to go after Palpatine and destroy the Sith. Yeah, so Maul kind of eludes the fact that this this Darth Sidious is responsible for yeah he's manipulating both sides of the war yeah she realizes she and because she's been outside of it for a while she recognizes more of that both sides are being manipulated and this is there's a there's a moment where it it seems that ahsoka and darth maul are going to team up but then darth maul says too much and points out that Palpatine is planning on turning Anakin to the dark side and Ahsoka can't see that because she, she knows Anakin so well. So that, that's impossible. Yeah. So then she assumes the whole thing must be a lie because you can't trust that part. And so they're right. forced to duel and 
towards the it gets to the end, and Ahsoka manages to get Maul to a point where he's captured, and they all load up to their to their their ship, their star destroyer, and they're heading back to Coruscant. And Order sixty six happens. <laughs> Terrible, uh, inconvenient timing, isn't it? It is. Uh, it think, isn't. I to mean, think that if they brought Maul back to the, if Ahsoka delivered Maul back to the Jedi Temple before Mace and goes in and does his thing, and you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you are under arrest. Chancellor, <laughs> uh, that was a terrible impression. <laughs> but you know, before he does that whole thing, <laughs> before he does that whole thing, to think if Ahsoka actually got there before that happened, they actually would have discovered the truth about him, and possibly it's true been able I mean, to even, successfully take Maul him out. Was very, yeah, Maul was very willing to explain the whole thing, right? She he did yeah. to Ahsoka and. I question if he would have told the council, to be honest, just because it's Maul. But I th- there is that chance that he knows Palpatine is the most powerful person, and he wants power himself. So he might think it's worth getting the Jedi to do the work for him. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Uh, it's also worth noting in this story arc, Anakin kind of has one last goodbye with her before she goes off to Mandalore. And gifts her her lightsabers back, which were taken from when she left the, the temple. Uh, and he's made some modifications and made them blue. So uh, that was right. kind of a, a character moment, just a character moment, like right there. But that's the last time that she ever sees Anakin uh, before she doesn't see him again for a long time. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this arc, Order 66 happens, you know, uh, terrible timing for all that stuff. We should stuff. also point out that there's actually... Before the season six, six, seven, whatever the latest one is, there's actually a book that comes out. Um, oh, the Ahsoka novel. Yeah. That. Oh, that's that's uh, after the Clone Wars. Yeah. Is it, that's, I thought uh, it was just before. It's like it's, during uh, it's got some it's got some flashbacks to the Clone Wars, but the whole story, the main core story, takes place after Episode Three. So, ah, okay. so yeah, so we'll but we'll, yeah, we're second. definitely, yeah, we'll definitely get that into that next. Uh, but Order 66 happens, like you were saying, uh, the, the stuff with Rex and the 501st goes down. She ends up saving Rex and gets his inhibitor chip out uh, of his head and uh, they make a narrow escape. She actually sets Maul free and uh, to cause a distraction. We talked about that in the Darth Maul, what happened episode. And uh, she survives the crash of the ship. A lot of clones die. And uh, these are people that she actually cared about and, and were yeah. just friends with at one point. And so for yeah, her, it's a very are, sad moment. These were members of the 501st. Yeah, yeah. So these and are so the clones her, that we paid the most attention to throughout the entire series. Yeah, especially in this, like some of the arcs like the Umbara arc. And, you know, we spent a lot of time with Jesse and and uh, Fives and Echo throughout the whole show. And, you know, it, like the, all those guys, all those guys, um, they all have kind of a big part in this last this last stand and they all end up dying. And, and for Rex, it's a very touching moment as well because like very emotional journey, I guess, because these are his brothers. Like these are the people that he's been brothers yeah. in arms with, you know, they, they share the same heart and blood and fought the same enemies. And, and now they're on two different sides and now they're all dead. And it, it's a, it's a very, 
you know, I, I actually did chat it too Especially when I saw the finale for the first time. That- Oh man, it's it's really intense. It's very emotional. Yeah, it is. It is. It's also the fact that he knows it's not even their fault. There's a pre-programmed chip in their head that's making them do it and turn on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Uh, kind of a zombie apocalypse situation. It is. Yeah, and you know she she survives, and I have this uh, like. I had this, I had this like image in my head when, 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 in that final moment where, where before the show ends and Rex is like looking out at this graveyard of stakes with these clone helmets on them. And Ahsoka is just standing there with her lightsaber and kind of drops it in the sand. Uh, There was this line that Anakin has all the way back in like the first Clone Wars movie, like when they first meet. And Anakin says to Ahsoka after she saves his life, he says, uh, you would never make it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine. And and it was just this very like subtle thing that kind of echoed in my head when I saw that finale. And I was like, yeah, it's so true. Like Anakin didn't make it, but Ahsoka did, right? No. Like Anakin turned to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Because Obi-Wan, I, you know, I hate to put the blame on Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan did fail Anakin. And, uh, and, and he admits that, right, in, in episode three. He's like, I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but because, because Ahsoka has had all these other influences in her life, she actually survives Order 66. You know, she survives all these other things that she's gone through. And, uh, and by the end of, of the show... Um, you know, she she did make it, and she's elevated herself to this position of being beyond just a Jedi. She's become something more, um, and that's one of the best parts of the whole show, and like such a great way to end off the Clone Wars, uh, which kind of leads into the next show, which is Star Wars Rebels. But between those two animated series, we do have the Ahsoka book, which we should acknowledge, I guess. Uh, so, do you want to tell briefly yeah. explain about this video that that you watch online? What's funny is you probably know more about it at this point than I do because I watched it so long ago. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so so the Ahsoka book written by E.K. Johnson, it was uh, it was a good book from what I remember. It was okay. Um, yeah, it was I think, pretty par for the course of the time Star Wars books coming out, let's say. And we were all really curious to what happened to Ahsoka. And this, right, this book yeah. came out before we got the final season of Clone Wars. So yeah, people it was canceled were, at the time. Yeah. yeah, people were really chomping at the bit to know what happened to her because she just essentially vanishes. Right. Yeah, so in this book, which we're not going to get into ma- massive details over, uh, but, it, you know, she, she ends up on a planet called Rada and uh, it was very reminiscent of the story arc that she has with those two girls trying to keep them out of trouble. Very reminiscent to that. Yeah, but, it was, uh, yeah, it's basically history repeating itself a little bit. Yeah, she, yeah, her being this two farm girls. Yeah, her being this force of light in the galaxy, protecting innocent people, this and that, you know. But now she's also on the run from the Empire, who's hunting down Jedi, and uh, she actually ends up fighting the sixth brother in in this book, uh, which is one of the Inquisitors. And the sixth brother does pop up in the Darth Vader comic series by Marvel. Uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, that is, that series. 
and uh, she ends up besting him. Uh, he dies, and she takes those those red kyber crystals and makes her white lightsabers that will then see for the rest of the duration of this character. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, she, and at this point, I forget I exactly it's, it's what she bleeding. fights. It's bleeding yeah, uh, the, when you turn the, it red, and then yeah. what's it called when you turn it white? Purify, purifying, I guess. I don't know. Okay. And this is also this was this was a big deal when this happened because this was a entire rewrite of our understanding of how crystals worked when this book came. Yeah, out. yeah. When this book came out, it was a defining kind of key thing to add a little more to what a kyber crystal is, and it was like alluded to that these crystals have uh almost like a life force in them you know like they're they're more than just a little rock like it's uh it's actually they're emanating like the force itself the force yeah itself. they're connected to the force itself yeah uh and, in, in a in a massive way yeah and so. the big thing that it really changed specifically was the old canon was sith would create their own kyber crystals they would manufacture mm. their own crystals. That's why they're red. And that was supposed to show their strength and manipulation of the force. And then green and, and blue and any other of the basic colors are all natural crystals. Mm. And in this, we find out that the Sith, the new canon, is they have to kill a Jedi or I guess just find a crystal. And then I guess it would be... It's called bleeding, but I think it's just yeah. forcing the dark side into the crystal. Yeah. And that, I guess, unpurifies it and it turns it to the color of red. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. And then the kyber crystals is referred to as a bleeding crystal, which is, yeah, unnatural. Yeah. Unnatural. <laughs> and then Ahsoka, we find out the first time ever, she reverses that and it pulls the dark side out of the crystal which actually leaves it white as opposed to its original color. yeah and this was something that that then more recently has popped up again in the light of the jedi book because we find out that there was that one jedi who so forged, the white yeah, there was that one jedi who was it again I, I totally forget now but that topic came up when we were chatting about with bryce about the the sith light spear and that how one mm -hmm. jedi made her weapon out of out of the crystal from from that and purified it so this is a process that i think is known to the jedi but not practice that not very common well uh, not, it's not very exist common yeah. for how long right so the right well, in the, yeah and the great sith war when you had thousands of sith like it might have been more common but uh but yeah when you only have two at a time it's like this never happens but now we have these inquisitors running around with red lightsabers and and she doesn't have a lightsaber and i totally forget how she kills him but uh but she ends up taking his kyber crystals and, and using them to purify and make her own white lightsabers out of them which then kind of uh, help transform that character even a little more into this kind of samurai-esque uh, neutrality character yeah. with no with no allegiance at all uh, to anyone except the Force. And yeah, which is to, funny because this almost sounds like the description of a gray Jedi from the old expanded universe. Yeah, in a in a way, and in the expanded universe, like the gray Jedi was was a thing, Someone but in the who, canon, it's never been a. Yeah, thing. like yeah. It's, well, it's, a great Jedi was someone who just follows the Force and doesn't believe specifically in yeah. being just the light side, just the dark side, but tries to follow the Force itself. 
Yeah. So now, so now in the canon, I mean, there's no official term for them because technically they're not recognized. But, uh, but I guess a good example of what a Jedi, great Jedi would be would be would be Ahsoka and Qui Gon or or someone like that. But there's no official title anymore in the canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just known as these rebellious figures that <laughs> kind of yeah. just were a little a little nuts going after uh, you know what the Force wanted and this and that. But uh, in actual fact, they got the right picture. Uh, so, uh, that's kind of that story in the, in the, in a nutshell, uh, in the book. So there was of- flashbacks in the book as well, right? That, uh, uh yes. Kind yeah. of, so it more or less was bits of the story of the order 66 final arc that we yeah. went over, except. And the Darth Maul fight. Yeah. And the Darth Maul fight. And so I guess the big pieces all became true but a lot of the specific details actually were uncanonized yeah a lot of the script changed a lot of the uh, the actual events changed the setting changed a little bit aside from the fact that it took place on mandalore uh but yeah it's worth noting that if you ever do pick up that book ahsoka by ek johnston that uh it it's not canon in the in the parts that are flashbacks it's it's overwritten by the show so the only part that's still canon technically is uh is the core story that takes place with ahsoka in the present moment fighting the sixth brother the whole story on rada uh and uh, at some point in the book she also joins bail organa you uh starts using the the code name fulcrum and uh kind of joins the beginnings of what will be the rebel alliance later and that's all kind of takes place in that book there. But that's all still canon and stuff. The book is still considered canon. It's just the flashback moments, yeah. which are very it's few funny and far between. Is that that, that section you just described at the end there where she becomes created the Rebel Alliance, you know, books of Bail or gone, all that. That actually was the good guy ending to the first Force Unleashed game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's... They, they kind of they stole uh, Starkiller. I, th- I think and a lot they, Ahsoka. the legends. Yeah. Yeah. They totally did because she's, she's Anakin's apprentice. Right. So it's also um, true. Yeah. And two lightsabers backhanded. Man, What's with all this recycling? <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycles like Galen Merrick in the, in the Ahsoka Tala. Uh, so we get to Star Wars Rebels now, uh, which is almost, we're almost at the end of the line. Um, so one of the characters in the, in the cast of Star Wars Rebels, Kanan, he's a, he's a Jedi. He gets captured by the Inquisitors and she actually comes, comes out and reveals herself to the Rebels and the Cells. And the Cells at this point kind of become one. And officially after that, more or less, are known as an alliance at that point. Uh, and uh, she's mm, kind of revealed right. to be uh, a member of one of the well, she's an operative. She's not part of a cell, but she kind of becomes part of the cell, the the rebel cell that we watched through the course of the show. Yeah, I think uh, it's so cool her, to just take a her. minute to note how they kind of set this up where they did create. I think it seems like Ahsoka organized it, multiple running rebel groups on different planets. And then yeah. when they finally came together, it actually made the name Rebel Alliance true yeah. to its name, which originally didn't really have an explanation. It just seemed like it was always one group. So it was an yeah. odd title. Right. Yeah. That's that's something that stuck out to me about the show because 
at first I never clued in. It's like, oh man, Star Wars Rebels. Like, why is it only taking place around these like characters? And then they yeah. really started pushing that term rebel cell. And then and then all these rebel cells come together, which are all operating yeah. independently, and they they create the rebel alliance organism. of cells. A yeah, cells. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and Ahsoka is a key a key character. Her fulcrum identity is a key character to getting information to these cells anonymously, uh, with the help of Bail Organa. The two of them are kind of working together closely, and uh, and fulcrum, aka Ahsoka, is kind of like the one responsible for delivering them secret intel and all this stuff that helps the alliance operate before it becomes the alliance. So she's a really key player in that. Uh, we get to the point where Ahsoka encounters Vader in space. Uh, it, there is a there's a bit of a, a a moment where Vader is in his ship and the the ghost crew is in the in the ghost, uh, and uh, they they try to figure out who the Sith Lord is or whatever that that he's and he's flying around. I forget the context of it all, but what matters is um, between her and Kanan, they kind of put their minds towards you know, together in the forest and try and, you know, do this thing. And she senses that there's a possibility that she actually knows Vader. And I think the way that Dave describes this moment is that she knows it's Anakin, but doesn't want to believe it. And like yeah. her everything, everything in her body is refusing to accept that because for all funny. this time, she's that, just this, thought that this, he's been dead. Yeah. Right? And this is also the second time now that she's been confronted with the same story. So it's yeah. funny now that what we know from the Clone Wars, because I think this, the, yeah, this arc, the Clone Wars arc came out after this Rebels uh, mm-hmm. arc. So that means at this point in time, she's probably thinking back to what Maul said. Yeah, yeah. She's probably thinking about back what, yeah, Maul said about how Anakin's being groomed, <laughs> long yeah. groomed to be uh, to be Palpatine's uh, new puppet. Sith but, uh, new Sith Apprentice. New Sith Apprentice, yeah. So... That that's a big moment for her, and uh, and then I think around the same time she also reunites with Rex, and it's a very touching moment because Rex becomes one of the Alliance members at this point now, and, and yeah, we, uh, we meet the she, old Husky clones. Yeah, the old Husky clones. Yeah, yeah, uh, which ends up being Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. Uh, so so that was that was nice though, seeing her kind of give this big hug to Rex, and you know they, they I'm assuming haven't seen each other for for many many years. Yeah. I'm hoping they came across each other at some point, though they, the clones admit that they served as stormtroopers for a while. Yeah, there was a moment where they did admit that they served as like informants or something like that. Forced retire. Yeah, they were forced into retirement uh, shortly after kind of thing. I, I don't know how all this fits in, but maybe we'll see in Bad Batch or something like that. And right. that could very possibly mm-hmm. get into what happened to that, right? I'm sure there'll be some overlap. We'll probably come across the Stormtrooper version of uh, the 501st and probably Rex. I, oh, I if- guarantee that this show will show how the Clone Troopers even get their Stormtrooper helmets. Yeah, I'm really curious yeah. to see then how Rex, if he's still under, under Anakin or Darth Vader. Uh, well, that's just it. Like, I think uh, I, I think Rex is like, even though he's a retired clone, I don't know if he's active with the Empire very long. Like, I think him and I think he what he does, what happens is like he might be doing something, but I don't think he uh, it, 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 what it would what would be really cool is if he actually spent a little bit of time 
trying to sabotage some of the empire's plans, you know, being on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. But it would be interesting to see if he does come face to face with Vader and doesn't recognize him, doesn't know that he's Anakin, right? Like that would be pretty cool. Um, that would be interesting, especially if it was because yeah. the 501st continues to serve under Anakin, aka Darth Vader, after if none of the troopers realize it's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's one of the one of a, an opportunity if, that that definitely can't be missed. In fact, it has to be the case because th- I believe Palpatine is the only person who knows that Vader is Anakin, and that's canon. Because yeah. even even Tarkin questions; he thinks it might be Anakin, but he doesn't even know. And they work together very closely. Eventually, he th- figures it out, but only for himself. He doesn't say that, but he yeah. recognizes that Vader is. Is yeah. Anakin, and so does Thrawn. Thrawn, Thrawn uh, figures that out too. Uh, not super important, but <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, at one point in Star Wars Rebels, Ahsoka faces off against some Inquisitors when they're trying to kidnap Force-sensitive children. Again, here's this plot repeating itself. But she has this cool moment where she like the doors open up and she comes out and she's got her like sabers that she turns. She fights two Inquisitors and just like pones them. So hard. I don't even know if anyone says that anymore. Pwn. I don't know. Thrash. <laughs> Thrash thrashes them. Yeah. Pwns them like a couple of noobs. What's cool about this what's cool about this fight is that she chooses not to kill them, but she disarms them with such skill. And uh, and and it's her whole new philosophy of like not killing people if she can if she can help it. Uh she tries a to disarm Batman. as much as possible. Yeah, very Batman, very uh what you would yeah, very, very non. I don't know. It's just she's Unlethal. just become she become more of a true Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah, what I would expect a Jedi to be like. Respect and honor for all life. Yeah, for all life, including people who are trying to kill people. So, uh, so yeah, she she ends up not killing seventh sister and and uh, fifth brother or whatever it is that are that are trying to kidnap these kids but uh they get the kids back to safety and all this and that but that that was like a big moment for her in the show uh she then she then takes place um she then helps her her rebel friends on malachor and uh fights maul again on malachor we kind of got into that in the darth maul what happened uh fights some inquisitors and uh you know take some of those out and and finally fights vader and this is the moment where she realizes that vader is anakin skywalker yeah and a, a uh, very big moment she actually damages his faceplate and reveals anakin underneath and we get that cool moment where we hear yeah anakin's voice and darth vader's voice at the same time it was foretold that you would be here our long-awaited meeting has come at last i'm glad i gave you something to look forward to we need not be adversaries the Emperor will show you mercy if you tell me where the remaining Jedi can be found. There are no Jedi. You and your Inquisitors have seen to that. Perhaps this child will confess what you will not. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. 
Hunter and and uh and james earl jones like mixed together like that yeah. so good man so good uh but yeah so we get that cool moment where she recognized that the, the horrifying look on her face and um she allows her she she delays vader to get to let her friends escape and everything which they're in this you know they're in that temple it's about to blow up and everything like that uh but we assume that she kind of died and there was only yeah. this very very small possible like her going into a cave at the very end of the episode if you remember that but in in short for anyone who hasn't seen it they allude to the fact that she could be alive you see the bird that we mentioned earlier again yeah. uh but we see that vader walks out fine yeah uh, it was, it was could, a big question and it was left yeah. for a long time completely yeah. unknown until, she didn't show up for a whole season almost yeah until uh dave filoni at a star wars celebration panel had t-shirt on that just read ahsoka lives yeah yeah that's right yeah and people <laughs> started freaking out and he yeah. didn't say anything he just wore the shirt he just wore the shirt what a troll he does he does he loves touring with fans um <laughs> In the, so in a time warping event, Ezra, we, it goes into a place called the world between worlds and the doorway to get into that actually has uh, our pa- art like paintings on the wall of the, the three figures from Mortis, the father, son and the daughter. And so it's alluded to the fact that this realm exists kind of like Mortis does, like kind of outside of time. Right. And and so he goes into there and there's all these portals and we hear audio like sound from all the movies or like characters talking and all these moments across Clone Wars, across the live action films, across the sequels, everything all in the same place existing together in like one, one space. Right. And it's like, that's kind of like what I think is like, Oh, the force ghosts, that's how they operate. Like they kind of just don't, they don't exist in time. Right. But they have laws of like Mm -hmm. how they can communicate with Luke and such after death they can't reveal things to to these yeah, characters like they on can purpose. Technically, they know the future at this point, right? Because they yeah, they know everything. Because yeah, because they do. They also exist outside of time, right? Yeah. So this place is like this physical place that that Ezra goes into, which is outside time. Reaches into a portal where he sees Ahsoka and grabs her and pulls her into the world between worlds, saves her from being killed by Vader. The last second. At the last second, and she survives. And this event transpires there, and she jumps through a portal back out into the world, where then it's confirmed, oh, she did make it through that event. She did survive. Yeah, and, and this, she doesn't this show moment, up. A, this moment opened up crazy possibilities for Star Wars. Yeah, both yeah, positive and 
to its detriment because you, we can now manipulate time. And some say it is whispered in the shadows of fandom that this could be used to remove the Star Wars sequels. <laughs> You just had to add that in. <laughs> so, so she survives, and uh, and uh, she shows up uh, like at the end of the show. Like that's the last time that we see her until the very end of Star Wars Rebels. And there's a scene that takes place which flashes forward to after Return of the Jedi, and she yeah. shows up like Gandalf with a white staff and a white robe, and uh, she's uh, she's getting Sabine. To go out and look for Ezra, who Ezra. is uh, who is a now a, who was a main character and now he's missing in action kind of thing. So they go out to and he was last seen with with Thrawn. So this scene is worth mentioning. Might or might not take place before or after the Mandalorian that we is it, that we. Is there get. no time frame for that one? There's there's no confirmation that that scene takes place before the Mandalorian. So it's possible that it could be after her appearance that we've seen where she where now we're going into the Mandalorian. We get the episode where she helps analyze Grogu, figures out his name, all that stuff for Din Djarin. And uh, and she's out fighting for innocent people. And she's also looking for Thrawn. And that is the last point that I have on this list. Bo-Katano. Bo-Katan sent me. We need to talk. I hope it's about him. In regards to this this time frame situation, because we know, like Sabine was there, they know that Ezra sacrificed himself to get rid of Thrawn by jumping that the ship into the hyperspace into the outer rim. So we, we have no idea what happened to them. So Ahsoka knows that that happened. So I guess the only reveal that we could get would be they find proof that he's still alive somehow. And Thrawn, Thrawn obviously is back, right? So if Thrawn got back, that's probably it. Because Thrawn was lost with Ezra. That was the whole point. So if Thrawn is back, as revealed by the name drop from Mandalorian Season 2, then that's... Yeah, I could see exactly where you're going with this. So then she could go talk to Thrawn and figure out how to get to Ezra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's unclear whether or not her picking up Sabine in that Jedi ship at the, the very end of Rebels when she shows up for that brief couple seconds... Uh, it's unclear when that scene takes place, but I think the the next thing I'm just going to br- bring up here is that we're getting a, a standalone single. I think it's a single season show called Ahsoka, and it's going to overlap and interweave with Mandalorian season three, Book of Boba Fett, Rangers of the New Republic, and they're all going to come together and conclude in a cinematic event is what a, a, Kathleen Kennedy Sick. calls it okay that'll be interesting uh yeah. there's actually there's one more thing that should be mentioned i think and i'm curious to see how these shows are all going to lead up possibly into it and that's the fact that in the final moments of rise of skywalker 
when Ray is on the ground just before she gets up to attack Palpatine and she says, I'm all the Jedi. She hears all the Jedi voices in her head and one of the voices is Ahsoka. And it is to note that all the Jedi except questionably Ahsoka are dead and in the force. So that leaves the question that is Ahsoka dead at this moment or is she somehow the only one that fits in that isn't? Right. Yeah. A lot of questions there. She probably wouldn't be in that. It, it depends how old she is. Depends if she's naturally dead or not. And also how, how is she in that if she's alive? Yeah. It, it might be like a forced projection thing, kind of like what Luke was doing. But yeah, the question does arise. Where was she this whole time? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's a question for sure because now we know, oh, she wasn't fighting with the Rebel Alliance during the original trilogy because she went on this sp- Oh, it was something that we actually left out when she when she makes her last appearance after fighting Vader and being saved by Ezra from the world between worlds. She goes on this spiritual journey in the Force, and and it's unclear what happens to her. That's kind of why we skipped over it. Uh, but it's alluded to by Dave Filoni that she does her own kind of journeying through learning more uh, in her so own I, way. I would think I similar guess. to the arc we get with Yoda. When he discovers, he's yeah, he's led through Qui Gon to realize there's a lot more to the Force. And as we had actually mentioned in this the episode we recorded before this one, which was that Yoda was forced to find uh, to admit that the darkness within him as a Jedi. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's it's worth noting that Ahsoka may have gone on a journey like that. Right. And uh, and so there's a couple of questions that linger after talking about this character for for uh, almost two hours now. Um, question one is, when does that scene take place at the end of Rebels? You know, when when is she, when does she go to pick up Sabine while lurking looking for Ezra? Uh, the Ahsoka show, which I assume follows her appearance in The Mandalorian. I would um, think so. Yeah, that would make the most yeah. sense. I mean, yeah, the question Unless it being, is about the spiritual journey. Could be. Right. The question being, will it be a show that flashes back to those events between Rebels mm-hmm. and her first appearance in The Mandalorian? Or will it take place after her appearance in The Mandalorian and lead up to that cinematic event? All we know is that it does have to do with the events that are transpiring towards that event. So I'm just assuming that that show takes place after her appearance, but it might contain flashbacks that go back to tell that story between Rebels and Mandalorian. Yeah, fill in the gaps in both areas, right? Uh, So there's that question too. Last question is kind of like, what's gonna happen to that character? And, 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 you know, what happens with that up until her audio audible appearance in in rise of skywalker in ray's vision right uh so that's just kind of the main three or four questions there that haven't been answered uh just to make it clear for anyone listening who might want the full the full story uh we don't have it yet (laughs) maybe we'll find out that she took on an apprentice right like Grogu. <laughs> nah, she already refused to train Grogu. Yeah. Grogu. We're, we're, Maybe because she's already had an apprentice. Ahsoka, just to like, I don't know, just to cap it off for me, has become one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Like, yep, just I, I agree simple. with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's really amazing to me, the genius of Dave Filoni. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was you who showed me a clip where he says... He knew 
when George tasked him with creating this like young preteen uh, female sassy apprentice, sassy yeah. apprentice for Anakin, fans are gonna get like real mad yeah. because it does it doesn't make sense from right, what they yeah. know, and it's just gonna be really annoying and terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so Dave, what he did was he intentionally made her with really obvious flaws that everyone would immediately point to why she's terrible, and then slowly smooth that down, sand it down over the series as as she grows, and yeah. people will grow with her and come to love her, and it absolutely worked to a T. Absolutely. Yeah, it was perfect. Absolutely, and and and, and it's it's uh, it, it it also can't be left out that the amazing performance of Ashley Eckstein, who brought this character to life, really resonates in that character, right? Like when when Rose, nothing nothing against Rosaria Dawson. I love Rosaria Dawson as an actress. I've I've seen her in other stuff. She's awesome. But when I saw her play the character in The Mandalorian, there was something missing about the character and I've watched the Clone Wars over eight times and it's the, the, the being a voice actor, your entire performance is adding a soul into the character that you're talking, right? Like the, the one that you're speaking as. So every single ounce of energy that Ashley has put into this character over however many years it's been now, since she's been playing Ahsoka, um, I've heard it on screen. And mm. I didn't hear that in The Mandalorian. I didn't hear yeah, that performance. That right? was a bit and there, there's, it's, it's nothing against Rosario Dawson, right? Like, it, it's Din Djarin. It's Din Djarin. That's a good one. That's a good one. You got you to gotta remember yeah, that one. I'm writing that one um, down. Right, yeah. But but yeah, it, it's nothing against Rosario Dawson. It, it's not that I don't like the, the iteration of the character. I was just a little underwhelmed just by... The appearance and and uh, and the the costume and the 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 shorter Leku, which I don't want to make a yeah, big deal about, but I, I, know, I did I anyways. It's and, me too. It does it does bother me. I was looking at stuff today about the Mandalorian and Ahsoka, and I watched a breakdown video of why why Ahsoka's Leku are shorter than Mandalorian. And it was exactly what I thought they were going to say. It's easier to use on set. Like, okay, yeah. I was hoping you give me his actual in-universe explanation and not right. but whatever <laughs> like the, oh they were cut in battle now they're like yeah, healing or, growing back like, or something yeah exactly yeah. they grow back like trandoshan you know extremities right. something <laughs> something anything anything but but no it's, it's nothing so um anyway it, i just i just was hoping that ashley would get a chance to play her on screen and i know rosario resembles ahsoka like to a t but hmm. um and i know but, you would really wish that they had had dubbed actually her. dubbed her yeah, dubbed yeah. The character. well they do it with darth maul it's a lot of work but i mean they do it <laughs> so yeah. I, I was like oh i hope that 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 ashley gets her stake in the character still because ashley still plays ahsoka in the rise of skywalker she plays the voice of live action ahsoka in that movie right but you don't see her you only hear yeah. her so That's right. now we have this inconsistency as to the voice of live action ahsoka Right. <laughs> so it's a little, mm. it's a little, uh, strange. Troubling. Yeah. Then you're yeah. Also, also dealing with the fact then if you're casting someone to play Ahsoka on set and then you're going to say, Oh, but by the way, we're going to replace all of your lines. 
Right. So it it not, doesn't make you feel very good. Yeah. yeah, it's not a very enticing job offer, you know? <laughs> no, it isn't. It isn't. Because that's that's half the acting right there is doing the lines. Yeah, I mean, look at, for example, uh, David Prowse, right? He, yeah. he was on set. He was Vader, but he, he isn't recognized as much as James Earl Jones because James Earl Jones, Jones is the voice. Right, exactly. But that's what my whole argument with like this character is like, that's the reason when, when, when I say people like, oh yeah, it was a bit underwhelming seeing her in the show. Uh, they're like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, well, because the heart and soul of the character is in the voice. Like, you know, especially when you're so used to seeing an animated character. I mean, it's obvious mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a, it's not a live action thing. Like it's, you know, I don't look at it as if a young kid yeah. would. And then the voice the does eyes, become right? the character. Like what yeah, the is, voice, 100%. the voice, exactly, exactly. The voice is the character, and 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 that's what makes that character at this point in time, after yeah. so many years, and, and then now seeing it in a different yeah. portrayed and a to, little differently is just to quickly break know. that down for people at home when they do cartoons and stuff. After they write it, they record all the voices and then they animate to the voices. So that's why the voices are the character because it actually drives the animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It drives the the pre sim, which they use then to to base off of <laughs> to to do the animation, and and so the the entire facial performance and everything delivered on screen that you see with those animated characters comes from the original voice recording of the of the actress or the actor. So um, so Ashley Eckstein is really it's really a crucial part of making that character successful. Um, and so for me, it kind of made me sad when she didn't get to have a chance to play her on screen. But anyway, I don't want to linger on it too much. It's just, it's just, you know, I just want yeah, to bring that it up. It is a sore spot. Yeah, it is a sore spot. But yeah, anyway, I, I mean, we're, we're still lucky to even have this character in live action. Yeah, I mean. it's true. She's, she the first anime? She's the first main animated character. Cause I guess Saw Gerrera was the first. Saw Gerrera was the first one that went from animation to live action. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to get more. We're going to get... Pickle it! Pickle it! Lois! Deceit! It's some of the most quotable lines in that whole movie. What a great character. Ahsoka Tano is by far one of the most fan-favorite characters to this date in the Skywalker saga. She has changed the lives of, of many Star Wars fans. Changed the changed the perspectives of many Star Wars fans, and and the character itself has changed Star Wars for all time. And we have Dave Filoni, George Lucas, Ashley Eckstein, and Rosaria Dawson all to thank for that, as well as all the animators who worked on her over the years, and uh, just the brilliance of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka novel, The Mandalorian. And of course, uh, the small appearances she made through uh, the Forces and Destinies animated lineup, which we didn't really touch up on today, but uh, she does have canonical appearances through that series as well. It's just so minor, it wasn't really worth mentioning too much. So uh, if you're curious about her appearances in that, uh, they are uh, on YouTube for free and on Disney Plus, I believe. 
So thanks guys for tuning into the show. Of course, you can send us an email, theescapepodoutlook.com. Join us on Twitter, Discord, shoot us a voicemail. Leave us a five-star review. That always helps bring in uh, the algorithms for, for new search results, as well as leaving a stellar review. That would be fantastic. Helps us out a lot, as well as word of mouth. Send this show to a friend. Tell them you listen to Star Wars Escape Pod. That really does a lot, as well as donate to World Vision, which is our preferred place for you to send any donations into instead of us. Guys, thanks again for listening. And may the Force be with you. We'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Pod. Thank you.